Policing Australia, the official podcast of the Australian Police Journal. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Jason Burns, an assistant editor at the APJ. In 1991, the APJ published an article titled How Teamwork Unmasks the Albatross Arsonist. The article is about an investigation into a catastrophic crime at a major Australian military base which occurred in December 1976. APJ editor Simon Boda now joins us to narrate the article. The Albatross Arsonist by Detective Chief Inspector Harry Delaforce About 11.30pm on Saturday, 4 December 1976, a fire commenced in H Hangar at HMAS Albatross near Nowra, which destroyed the total naval surveillance and submarine detection aircraft of Australia. The fire occurred at a time when the air station was winding down, prior to most personnel leaving for annual vacation over the Christmas New Year period. The consequences of this fire are still being felt today, and apart from bushfires, is by far the most costly and complex fire to ever have occurred in this country. The Naval Air Station is positioned in a rural setting about 10 kilometres southwest of Nowra on the south coast of New South Wales and not far from Jervis Bay. It housed at the time of the fire squadrons of helicopters, Skyhawk jet fighters, Mackie jet trainers, VIP and Grumman SE2 tracker aircraft. This incident concerned the 12 tracker aircraft comprising 816 and 851 squadrons, and two Hawker Sidley VIP aircraft. At the time of the fire, the latter aircraft were standing on an apron close to the northern end of a hangar housing the 12 tracker aircraft. The hangar was about 70 metres long by 46 metres wide, of arch-type construction with corrugated walls and roof. It was orientated in a north-south direction. Located at the northern and southern ends of the hangar were gantries, which each enclosed six along both sides' walls were workrooms. The northern half of the hangar was severely damaged by fire, with the roof from that area collapsed to the floor. The southern half, while still standing, had heavy smoke and heat damage. Of the 12 aircraft in the hangar, six were located under the collapsed roof, while the remainder had been removed during and immediately after the fire. Local police were advised of the fire at 11.40pm, when assistance in controlling the fire was sought from Nowra Fire Brigade. Because the air station was a federal installation, it came within Commonwealth jurisdiction, and not that of New South Wales. This meant that in the initial stages, all matters relating to the fire were controlled and handled by naval authorities. During the early hours of 5 December, it became apparent to naval authorities that they didn't have the resources or expertise to investigate the cause of the fire. At 5.30am, a message was received from Rear Admiral MacDonald, Flag Officer commanding the Eastern Australian area, seeking assistance from the New South Wales Police specialising in fire investigations. This request was acceded to and at noon on 5 December 1976, the first police scene investigators arrived at the air station. 
After discussions with naval authorities, arrangements were made to have the hangar contents, surrounding area and damaged aircraft secured. The area was barricaded and roped off with guards posted 24 hours per day. This continued unchanged for 45 days until physical examinations were completed on 17 January 1977. During that time, weather conditions varied between a heat wave and violent thunderstorms with strong winds. Upon reviewing the whole inquiry, the most important decision made affecting the direction and final results of the investigation was that to secure the scene at the earliest moment. Following the arrival of the main contingent of New South Wales Police, a conference was held late in the afternoon involving both Naval and Commonwealth Police. At this meeting, the control of and various roles in the investigation were determined together with a number of procedural and accommodation matters. Shortly afterwards, a Naval Board of Inquiry was instituted. While the Board of Inquiry conducted its hearings separate to police investigations, the two ran a parallel course because of close liaison and cooperation. Police investigations were directed towards two main areas. The first dealt with the physical examination of the fire scene and all matters considered to be associated with it in some way. The second aimed at establishing the identity of all duty personnel and other persons who were on Albatross shortly before, during and shortly after the fire. Included in this area was the obtaining and recording of information received from those persons about their movements, involvement and observations during the relevant periods. Responsibility for conduct of the fire scene examinations was given to Wollongong's Scientific Investigation Section, while the second role was in control of the Special Breaking Squad attached to the CIB, Sydney. They were assisted by detectives attached to Wollongong, Nowra and the Fraud and Motor Squad, Sydney. As the inquiry expanded, police attached to fingerprint sections at Wollongong and Sydney became involved, as did members of the Scientific Investigation Section, Sydney. Over the course of the inquiry, 34 New South Wales Police, with a number of Commonwealth Police, were involved. The latter performed the important role of liaison between state and federal authorities. On the first day of examinations, a pair of chrome-plated electrical side cutters were found in the sprinkler system control room at the southern end of H hangar. These had apparently been used to cut a leather strap securing the handle of a valve controlling water flow to the sprinkler system. Upon examination, this valve was found to be in the closed position. Following day, a fingerprint expert from Wollongong developed portions of latent fingerprints on the handle and head of the side cutters. At the beginning of the investigation, opinion varied as to whether the valve was closed deliberately, by accident or in panic during the very early stages of the fire. To resolve this situation, it was decided to obtain finger and palm print impressions from all persons known or considered likely to have entered the sprinkler system control room during the fire or at any time recent to the development of the latent fingerprints. Despite taking this course of action, the latent fingerprints developed on the side cutters remained unidentified and no satisfactory explanation was found for the closed valve in the sprinkler room. 
While the above was taking place, physical examinations were being made of the fire scene. The hangar was divided into 10 sections, each designated A to J, to ensure that a proper and thorough examination was made. Each section approximated an area covered by one of the six aircraft on the hangar floor. The intact southern end of the hangar and workrooms on either side comprised the remaining four sections. Examinations were completed in one area before commencing the next. As items or other matters arose of probable assistance to the investigation or some evidentiary value, it was photographed in situ, positioned, recorded by measurement, labelled, taken possession of, and details entered into the recording system before being placed in a security area. Numerous outside experts were brought to the fire scene, either by police or the Naval Board of Inquiry, to cover an area of the investigation applicable to their particular expertise. Their attendance had to be arranged at a time when it was possible for them to make meaningful examination. As a result of discussions and liaison with them, police put into motion requests made to have tests or experiments carried out. The type and condition of material involved in the scene examinations made it necessary to use working parties comprised of Navy personnel. They were utilised throughout the scene examinations because they were untrained and not familiar with examination requirements of the scientific section investigators, constant supervision was necessary. This ensured items or matters of importance were not overlooked or destroyed. Naval photographers attached to Albatross and acting at the direction of the scene examinations were used to take, process, print and file the 2,500 individual photographs involved. This course was adopted for security reasons and because the inquiry was of a service nature. Many separate scale plans were prepared to show the layout of H hangar, position of aircraft and ground support equipment furniture contained in all the offices, electrical systems, water sprinkling system, roof trusses and skylights, together with the general layout of the air station. When all collapsed roof covering and steel trusses had been removed, a terrestrial photogrammetry survey was made of the northern end of H hangar. This was done before any of the items contained therein were disturbed or examined. The virtue of using this system to prepare scale plans is that once used, information coming to hand at some future date and not known at the time of the survey can be visually checked and accurately placed on a scale plan whenever desired. As the inquiry progressed, new lines of investigation arose from the physical examination of the scene. Some were of vital importance, while others were necessary to provide information essential to the investigation, such as supporting or rebutting theories advanced, or those that inevitably would be advanced. Briefly, these lines of investigations included detailed examination as to the state of electrical installations and appliances in H hangar, normal operation of the fire sprinkler control and fire alarm systems and whether there had been any significant discharge of water from the sprinkler system on the night of 4 December 1976. The accepted fueling and defueling procedures employed on tracker aircraft and any practice which departed from these recognised procedures. The state of all external doors and windows of H hangar at the time the fire was discovered. 
the key status in HANGAR and the movement of these keys. The identification of keys recovered from the fire during scene investigations. The composition of 851 Squadron Tool Control Room as at 3 December 1976 and after the fire and an examination of the air station perimeter for signs of illegal entry or other matter that could indicate entry to H hangar from outside the base. On 9 December 1976, the investigation took a dramatic turn when experts from the Air Transport Group found evidence that a defuelling valve on one of the aircraft was in the open position when that aircraft was destroyed by fire. The whole approach to the inquiry then changed as investigators were almost certainly faced with the crime of arson. Increased efforts were made to obtain the finger and palm prints of every person at Albatross on the night of 4 December 1976 for comparison with the latent fingerprints developed on the electrical side cutters. This was a mammoth task as more than 2,000 people were involved. It was further complicated by prevailing heatwave conditions and by personnel having left the base and travelled interstate. It was pointed out to every person that the supply of impressions was purely on a voluntary basis with an assurance given that if supplied they would be used solely in relation to the fire investigation and later returned for destruction. The heatwave conditions initially made the task of obtaining suitable quality impressions almost impossible as perspiration prevented fingerprint ink from adhering evenly to the skin. This problem was overcome, however, by wiping perspiring hands with a cloth soaked in methylated spirits. As each person gave their finger and palm print impressions, they were invited to complete two separate forms. The first form required them to set out their name, rank and where attached, and to agree, or otherwise, that at no stage during the evening of Saturday 4 December or the morning of Sunday 5 December 1976 did they enter the sprinkler system control room for H hangar, nor had they entered that room on any other occasion prior to those dates. The second form was in the nature of a questionnaire asking whether they were on the base at the time of the fire, in any case who they were with at the time, if on the base did they attend the fire, if so what they did and whether their normal or some other duty took them into H hangar, if so the last occasion they were there, whether they were there on duty watch on the night of the fire, any knowledge they possessed as to the cause of the fire. This questionnaire was introduced to allow investigators to shorten interrogation of persons who, for various reasons, would obviously be of no assistance to the inquiry. To avoid the possibility of a guilty party arranging for a substitute to volunteer impressions, proof of identification was obtained from each person and, when satisfactory, an endorsement made at the foot of the questionnaire. When another defuelling valve of a second destroyed aircraft was found in the open position by air transport experts, the necessity to establish the identity of all persons on Albatross during the night of 4 December 1976 became paramount. Without going into details, it can be said that the task of identifying the latent fingerprints developed on the chrome-plated side cutters was made very difficult because of variable factors involved with interpretation. 
Notwithstanding that, an expert attached to the Central Fingerprint Bureau Sydney, Detective Sergeant Jim Dowling, on 19 January 1977, identified the two partial fingerprints discovered on the electrical side cutters as those of the left thumb and right finger of Graham John Trent of 851 Squadron. It was quite a breakthrough and had taken Sergeant Dowling weeks of painstaking comparisons and eliminations before the culprit's identity was finally revealed. Shortly afterward, Trent was taken into custody and in a recorded interview which he signed, he admitted lighting the fire in H hangar on the night of 4 December 1976. Prior to lighting the fire, he had opened defuelling valves on two aircraft and closed the control valve supplying water to the sprinkler system. The side cutters were used to remove a leather strap securing this valve. On 20 January 1977, Trent voluntarily accompanied police to various locations around the air station, reenacting what he did on the night he lit the fire in H hangar. As this took place, his actions were recorded both in writing and by photography. In his record of interview, Trent raised matters in relation to certain acts done by him on the evening of the fire. These matters could be fully supported by evidence, although, when found well before Trent was identified, their implications were not fully appreciated. They would only have been known to the person responsible for lighting the fire, and by falling into place, incriminated him further. By the time the investigation reached the above conclusion, some 851 separate lines of inquiry had been followed. A total of 349 statements or records of interview were taken or conducted, ranging from 2 to 15 pages. In excess of 100 items were recovered from the fire scene during examinations and held for evidentiary purposes. Naval officers had the responsibility of preparing the prosecution case against Trent, which was presented to a court-martial hearing held at HMAS Penguin, Sydney, during April 1977. The case was found to be established, and Trent was detained at the Governor's pleasure. In conclusion, this investigation clearly demonstrated what can be achieved by teamwork, cooperation, and doing it right the first time. That was APJ editor Simon Boda, narrating the article titled How Teamwork Unmasked the Albatross Arsonist. The article first appeared in the number 3 1991 edition of the APJ. That edition and 300 others can be read online by subscribers at our webpage www.apjl.com.au You can check the site out to look at some free articles, listen to other episodes of the podcast or to purchase an APJ challenge coin. Until next time, take care, especially during this holiday season.